We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner Impossible. Coming up, the latest episode of the KCSN Draft Show, getting Chiefs Kingdom ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. Hosted right here in Kansas City with the best analysis, interviews, and content you can find to stay up to date and in the know. With that said, let's begin the show. It is draft season. We are beyond excited. This is the KCSN Draft Show. Uh, you're going to be hearing from us every week. And by us, I mean my friend Maddie Lane. But we also are geeked out to be talking to the director of the East West Shrine Bowl, Eric Galco. Eric, I'm going to bypass Maddie altogether. What's good, That's Eric? How you doing? I'm great. You know, it's it's a couple of weeks now after the East-West Shrine Bowl, so I'm still in kind of Shrine Bowl mode, talking about our guys, working our guys too. But I get a chance now to kind of like get outside my comfort zone, talk some juniors, talk some Chiefs, talk some fits with you guys. So I'm fired up to not lose my momentum here going to the draft. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Maddie Lane, what's good with you, buddy? Oh, oh, am I allowed to talk? I guess. Okay. No, I, I, listen, I'm excited to be here. You guys know I've been waiting like, I don't know, 365 days to get back to this podcast right here, this draft podcast. Like, I'm ready to go. I'm not even going to spend time talking. Let's just go. Go on, Kent. And, and Eric, believe me, I think we're going to have plenty of edges to do, to discuss that came uh, to the East West Shrine Bowl. There was a lot of fun nice. players that we got to watch there. And uh, I mean, some great interviews that we got to have as well. But we're going to just kind of talk a little bit about the edge position today. Um, that we're going to kind of go position by position throughout the, the pre-draft process. Uh, and I'll just start at the top. I think this is a great edge class. I think there's a lot of really high-quality players. Unfortunately for the Chiefs, I think there's a lot of high-quality players that are going to go before they pick at 31 if they stick at 31, Eric. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's going to be, I mean, obviously we'll have Will Harrison go in the top four to five picks in the draft as well, too. But even guys beyond him, the Tyree Wilsons, the Will McDonalds, you work way down the list, too. It's a very good class, and I think, Although they won't be there for pick 31, where the Chiefs pick. It should be 32. I, I hate saying 31. I feel like I they lost the Super Bowl, but they didn't. It's 32. The last pick in the first round. It's the only They'll time have... you... It's the only year picking 31 is a good thing. Yeah. The amount Since, of tweets that's, I that's get about that, too. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Um, but no, but they'll have some options. I think more so for the Chiefs, which is where they kind of want to address probably early in the draft, too. I think Ed is going to be their sweet spot in day three of the draft more than day one of the draft too because they they don't need to do anything whenever they take an edge rush in the first round they win the super bowl right that that's the joke um but i only did this year they can probably find those guys in round three round four so it's definitely a, a the top end 
talent for the edge class is good, but definitely the strength is kind of the depth. And yeah. when you're looking at the top, I think the issue for the Chiefs is like your your you know uh, Miles Murphy's, Tyree Wilson's, even Lucas Vaness is getting a lot of hype. Like these are all the guys that the profile the Chiefs like. They're all probably gone. All the big, long, strong edges are probably gone before they pick. And they're probably looking at a little bit more undersized guys, which isn't what they usually prefer in the position. So they might have to wait till day two or day three. And that is a good year for it. Yeah, there's yeah. plenty of, there's plenty of positions. I or there's plenty of guys I think that kind of fit the typical profile of this D Spagnola defensive end. We'll kind of go up and down this list a little bit. You know, like I know there's there's the Will Andersons, the Miles Murphys, the Tyree Wilsons of the world. There's one guy that's that's doing very well in the KCSN draft guide right now in our rankings. And it's one of, I think it's going to be one of Maddie's guys when it's all said and done. Uh, it's Nolan Smith, the edge out of Georgia. Guy coming off some injury issues. Uh, Galco, what's your opinion on Nolan Smith? And this is a guy coming into the year I think most people thought was going to be like a slam dunk first round pick and the injury stuff is there. I'll just tell you guys it's going to linger for a while even beyond the combine checks. Like it's going to be a question mark teams are going to have for a while. But I, the talent is, I think, plug-and-play NFL guy. I'm not sure this is a player that's like a complete five-tool pass rush, could do all sorts of pass rush moves and kind of get, you know, be that high upside speed rusher guy. But I think he's an NFL starter, and that alone is damn intriguing for, I think, any team. So I think despite kind of the injury red flags, which are really there, I can't imagine a playoff team's not going to say, all right, worst-case scenario, he's our third edge rusher. We're really happy if that's our guy. So I think talent-wise, he's got the real flashes that, hey, if the injury stuff checks out, he could be a – slam dunk you know five six seven eight year pass rusher could be an impact guy but i think worst case scenario he's like harold landry who's still a damn good pass rusher to be a number one but the time was like is landry going to be a a edge rusher three edge rusher you know two maybe but i think nolan's going to be that hey is he a two or three edge rusher even if he's a three still worth the first round pick in today's nfl and i think what really impresses me about him because i kind of agree it he hasn't fully developed. It doesn't seem like he's a pass rusher. He's still kind of relying on that athleticism, which is great. I think what it was a near-perfect spark score coming out of high school. So, like, he's a yeah. crazy athlete. But then at 235 pounds, he plays the run really well. He's just so violent, and he doesn't think anyone can block him. He just thinks right. he's going to beat every block. So playing the run so good at that weight, that's kind of what I'm really hanging the hat on is whether he's, you know, a defensive end three type that's a little bit more of a, tertiary pass rusher you're going to get a quality run defender with this good athletic upsides like i i'm really as long as the injuries check out like you said i'm really high on nolan smith i see a solid floor and that athletic upside is still always going to be there but the the dangerous part a little bit right is that he's not a high-end pass rusher. a good one he's an athletic guy but it's not really his school and it's he's not a guy that i'm expecting to get much better because he has a he's had a chance to do it in college and he hasn't gotten much better right i always tell our staff about is he raw or underdeveloped, right? Does he have a reason to get a lot better? Or has he had a lot of chances and he hasn't gotten much better? So again, but nitpicking the guy. The guy's still a first-round pick in my mind, but I think you have the injury and not being an elite pass rusher, you kind of wonder, all right, if things go haywire, how low can this go? But again, I still think he's he's in your rotation, a big part of that if he's even the worst case here, which still puts him in the first, second round, in my opinion. If, if he wasn't injured, if he didn't have the medical red flags, is he there at 31? No, I mean, he might not be there 31 as of now. Right. Um, so, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think he's he's kind of the equivalent, and, and this is a guy that's actually gotten even better than I thought, too, of, like, Christian Wilkins, but the DN version, or edge rusher version, mm-hmm. where, like, hey, nothing about it is, like, super sexy. He's just a really good football player, and Wilkins has become a really, really good NFL player. I think something for Nolan Smith's like, hey, you know what? Like, we want a pass rusher who can 
win as a pass rusher, right? But Nolan's not going to be that right away, but he's going to be pretty close, but do everything else super well too. So I think Nolan's a guy that if he's healthy, like you mentioned, the injury wasn't an issue, this is a guy that could go 20 that should have gone four or five and you get that guy later on too. So I think he's going to be a, I would expect a team that has a lot of draft picks or is a team picking in the 20s that feels really confident where they're going or maybe falls to the Chiefs who say, you know, we can just, if this pick goes haywire, we're still going to be the favorites in the AFC. Let's just take a chance on this guy who may be a 20-year or 15-year NFL player. And that's I think that's just kind of the the intrigue is like there might be it's like a, a guy that typically wouldn't be there might be yeah. there and he doesn't like me and Matt have been talking like he doesn't fit what Steve Spagnuolo is typically covered he likes long arms big bodies two sixty I think Matty's done a study on the edge like we basically like he's basically done a whole study on I mean what what are the criteria that of, of a Steve Spagnuolo edge typically yeah Matt? just if you got him off the top of your head. Nope. Three big things, uh, six four or taller, 260-plus pounds, and 33-inch arms or longer. If you miss out on one of those by, like, just a hair, you're fine. You know, it's not a big deal. If you start to miss more than one or you're well under, say, 200, if you come in at 245 pounds, the only person that's kind of fit that category has been Mike Dana that's played significant snaps for Steve Spagnuolo. So he's he's pretty strict. He likes his big run-defending defensive ends more so than speed, the guys that, you know, would classify as a speed rusher pretty much. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting. Like, he's a guy that, like, is that... With Joe Cullen's influence, do we see more influence on the prototypes on the defensive line? They're starting to bend their rules a little bit more, it seems like. Trent McDuffie isn't your prototypical Steve Spagnuolo <laughs> corner. The other two cornerbacks that they drafted last year kind of fit the profile a little bit better. You just kind of wonder if maybe there are some some adjustments to the prototypes that we're seeing. But there's there's a couple guys that do absolutely fit the prototype of a Steve Spagnuolo as they're going to go early. I do want to just ask you, Galco, I'm going to ask you to stack these guys. Will Anderson, Miles Murphy, Tyree Wilson. If you're stacking those three, where 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 are you putting them? Um, I want to see how Tyree Wilson's. I think it's his foot or his ankle checks out. Um, yeah. so he had an issue Texas Tech this year where he shut it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was never going to play any All Star game, Senior Bowl, whatever. He was never going. He was not going to be healthy for that, no matter what. So that's going to linger for a little while too. So we'll see how that checks out. He duck injury every time too, but that's. Matt again, top ten pick with a major injury issue. I'm kind of worried about that because I'm not. We'll see if he runs the combine. I'm not even sure he runs the combine. Um, I would say it'd be Miles first. I think Miles is pretty damn talented and pretty damn special. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that we have not seen the best football from him yet, wow. and I think we could look back in like a couple of years and like. I mean, if Miles Murphy ends up being the best defensive player from this draft class, I'm not going to be surprised at all. Like, I think he's one of those kind of guys. I think I I don't think he is, but like I'm not going to bet against it. Um, so I would say him one. Tyree too, and then you had Will Anderson. Yeah, I do like Will a lot, um, but I, I think he's a super high floor guy. So these are three good players. I would take all three of those guys over Van Ness. Put it that way. I'm intrigued by Van Ness, but like Jesus, I, I, I checked out some mock drafts for the first time like last week, and I'm like, really? So intriguing, talented guy. But I would take the three guys you said comfortably over a guy like him. Yeah, and I, I think that. I think those three are definitely your first three pretty comfortably. I I did know that Tyree Wilson had to shut it down. I know he had surgery. I thought it was his foot, and I didn't know yeah. if something was lingering this bad. So, yeah, that's definitely a big deal. It's not like he's a small edge rusher either. He's 270-plus pounds. Like, when you get foot, ankle injuries for bigger guys, that's something that you have to keep an eye on. So, you and again, I, w- I wouldn't say, like, wouldn't take him. I'm just saying that, like, right. if I was getting a top-five pick when I've got, 
you know, somebody else who's really talented attack, even a different position. I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to risk it on a guy like that either. So I think he, ha he has to get that clear before he goes top 10. If he doesn't get that clear, doesn't run the combine and it lingers, like he may be a guy that goes to 11, 12 overall with maybe surprise people. But like, hey, if you got a foot injury and I'm a top 10 team, I'm not taking that kind of guy. Uh, I want to add one more. I want to add one more guy to this, just because it kind of fits the same mold as Lucas Van Estemi, another guy that got a lot of hype leading up to the All Star circuit here, but now it seems like it's cooled off. Keon White out of Georgia Tech. He's just another defensive edge or a defensive end, defensive lineman with some versatility. They got pushed up there into a lot of people's first round mocks down the stretch. Where where would you kind of slay him? Is he in that Van Ness territory? Would you think he's a little bit behind that? Where do you have him at? Yeah, I mean, he's. I've been a big fan of him. Um, and really I've been tracking him for like four years now since Old Dominion when he had a breakout season for Old Dominion and then he transferred, he got, he got hurt, then he transferred, then he lingered there for two years, but immensely talented, really athletic. I think he's made some strides. I kind of wonder what his ceiling may be. I think he's a lot like a slightly less athletic Ezekiel Ansa, which was an awesome player, but the thing I worry about with, with Keon is, is, again, he's had a lot of time to develop. He's gotten better, but he's not really a guy I trust to be a starter right now. I think he can get there, but he's also 24 years old now, right? So it's a lot of these things I'm like, hey, am I sure he's a guy that I want to take? And that really, I mean, my opinion, it's usually, they have a draft, like 18 to 25 guys are like, that's a guy I want. And forget the first round grade, like that's a dude that I want. I'm not sure for me he's in that territory. I think he's in that next year of like a guy I pretty much would like to have, but I'm not positive he's a starter. And that puts more of a second, third round grade. So I think he's more there. I, I've seen... Again, I've seen some of the same mock drafts maybe you have last week or so, and I'm just like, eighth overall, like, let's chill. But uh, <laughs> but he's a really yeah. talented player, a great kid, a hard-working kid, came back from injury, you know, quiet but a leader. Like, he's a guy you definitely want in your building, but he's, again, he's way below, I think, that tier of guys we said earlier. I want to, I it would be a failure on my part if we didn't talk about some of these local kids because there's three local schools here in the KC area that all have edge rushers. I would love to get some quick thoughts uh, from from you, both of you, honestly, on uh, these three different guys. So we'll start with Felix Anadiki Uzama uh, from Kansas State. Gauka, what's your thoughts on him? Uh, I was a big fan of him. Obviously, it was bums. I kind of checked like four times, make sure he wasn't eligible for an All Star game because I was like, <laughs> well, he's been there for three, whatever. But uh, but no, man, I think he's, I think he's got so much more. He can keep getting better on, which gets me excited. I think his inside counter rush is there, can get a lot better. I think he's really powerful. With his hands, he's able to be twitchy a little bit too. I think he can play a lot of different roles. I think he can stand up. I think he can put his hand in the dirt too. I just think that he's had some games this year where he kind of fell off. That's what I'm curious about, kind of where that fits in, right? A couple games where I'm like, hey, you should not be losing to, you know, even the Missouri game, I remember, like, played well in that game, but there were a couple reps there, maybe a whole quarter where, like, Javon Foster kind of had his number. And those kind of things I worry about a little bit to be like, is that really the guy you want to hold your hat on? But talent wise, immensely talented, a lot of tools to get better. He's a guy I think's going to go. Again, I'm not him. I hate to compare to the Iowa kid, but like they're on the same tier where I think like, hey, I might rather Felix than him just because I, I think I see where this kid's going. Lucas, I think is intriguing, but I think Felix is a guy that has a lot of tools. And again, we may look back in a year or two and be like, wow, why was that guy slipping the draft? And again, of course, with all edge rushers, we'll see how we test the combine because that's yeah. super, super important for this position. Absolutely. It, the hardest part for Felix with me is you know, the Kansas State's defense. He's playing so much four I and five yeah. tech it. Listed at 255 pounds, man. I look at his build, and I don't know. That seems a little generous. He's a th he's a thin waisted guy, right? Yeah. And you're over here having him play head up over the tackle, and then asking him to set the edge from there. And so it's hard to dig through his tape, find enough plays of him actually rushing from out wide, just to see what the entire rush plan and potential looks like. And especially because they're so spread out, you don't see how he's evolving it throughout each rush and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, there's so much untapped 
potential there with him, I think. Yep. I'm kind of waiting for... I don't love to wait on the combine for stuff, but if he can come out and test as athletically as he flashes at times, then all of a sudden, you know, that upside, that potential goes through the roof for me because I, I made, I tell this story all the time. It's completely different caliber of player, but Joey Bosa coming out, I had more reservations on him than I should have. It's because he had to rush so much from head up over the tackle and it made it look like he was maybe a little stiffer, had a little bit of issues getting the edge. And this was early in my trying to do this. But like I learned so much like, okay, pay attention to where guys are aligned and how they're having to win from there. So it's just something I keep in the back of my mind when I see someone like Felix having to run from head up on a tackle when he's a little bit smaller than them, you know, going through all these rushes. 100%. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Uh, another guy, uh, another local kid. Uh, kind of surprised some people declaring for the NFL draft. Kansas edge rusher Lonnie Phelps. Uh, kind of a, you know, a smaller, more compact frame. Kind of lacks the ideal length but had some pass productivity both at Miami and at Kansas. Uh, and I think there's some, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I think he's going to the combine. I'm kind of curious how he tests, but what are your thoughts on Lonnie Phelps? High motor guy, for sure. Yeah, that answer one that jumps out right away for him. Um, uh, you know, we did not invite him at the Shrine Bowl. Um, at any point, we thought about him. He was right there. He's a guy that we liked. Not sure what his upside may be. I think like you, I'm curious across the board. Right, I, I don't know his arm like top of my head. I'm curious how that fits into his athletic profile. More importantly, I think it's how athletic is he in space? Um, and that's the question I have because he's not a guy that can be, I don't think, at least a 4-3 DN, kind of put his hand in the dirt, consistently win and get it back inside. And if he's not a special athlete in the perimeter, those high motor guys, that kind of puts you somewhere in that late part of the draft. Like, hey, I want to give this guy a tryout and, and see how he does. But I think that's that's what I'm most curious about him to do. Again, high motor kid. Has some hand moves, can kind of adjust laterally too. Has you know great background, coaching staff there raves about him, great kid. But I think 
people around that program are not expecting him to be any sort of like top three, four round pick. And I think that's a big reason why, because they know that, hey, maybe athletically he's a little bit limited to be a guy that can can play a real rotational role in the NFL. Yeah, and yeah, his arm length was just over 32 inches and then okay, just as big, go. you know. Yeah, Will not be a chief. Wingspan. Sources, <laughs> right? Per Matt Lane, sources. <laughs> right. And then even the wingspan was really small. So yeah, just, he's a smaller guy, but yeah, he's yeah. fun coming off the edge. And I, I wish, he's one of those guys I wish could be just a little bit bigger because if he could maintain... Not just the athleticism, but like the the energy and like the this the how hard he plays twenty four seven. He'd be a lot of fun. Just you're running into a really hard size limitation, so you're going to have to transition and see how does he look when he's having to back pedal. What's he look like in space to actually play off ball? Because that size just simply won't hold up very well in the current NFL. So there's some questions there, but like you know you watch him and he stands out a little bit, especially going from you know Miami of Ohio to Kansas. He looks very good on both teams. Just that that size is going to be hard to overcome. I'm curious what the medicals look like too. Um, you know, there was a lot. It seemed like he was dealing with a lot of different injuries. Uh, it's just in his one year at Kansas, just trying to play through some stuff, and you know, they had to do some load management for him at times as well. So another guy, uh, just medicals probably going to play a big factor there too. One more local local kid, Isaiah McGuire, McGuire the edge out of Missouri. Uh, quick thoughts on him before we move on. Uh, athletic, um, and that's kind of where we kind of stopped um, at our end is that I think he had some production, but the question is, can he, can that be NFL level production? Is he doing rush moves and winning in ways that's going to lead to NFL success? And I think that's, again, he's going to get a chance in the NFL for sure. I would be, you know, I think he'll, I'm pretty confident let him being drafted. He's going to test probably pretty well uh, at the combine and or at his pro day. But I think the question is like, Hey, are those rush moves going to translate to the NFL? I know he had some impressive plays and highlight package at Missouri was really important, impressive. Um, I have not watched. I've been told he had some really good one-on-one reps at the Senior Bowl, so that's intriguing as well, too. But again, those are situational in college, one-on-one out of perimeter, and an all-star game is a little bit different than those rushers in the NFL level, too. So I think he's got to show NFL teams that, hey, I can win in rush moves in an NFL environment, in a football environment, too. That's where we had some reservations on at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, we, ended, we actually did not invite Isaiah McGuire initially, and then um, he had made a decision for all-star games at a later point. So um, that not being said, I still think Isaiah is a really talented player. The Missouri staff there spoke highly of him and his work ethic, especially in the weight room and, and all that stuff. But I think it's important that, like, hey, I don't I don't know what his role is going to be. And then when I think of things in terms of, like, where a guy may get drafted, are you, like, an NFL starter for us? No. All right, then not a first, second-round pick. Are you a guy that's going to clearly play a role for us in the rotation? No. Okay, then you're not a third, fourth-round pick. And then we're at the later part of the draft wondering – you know, where's this guy going to fit into? So immensely talented. I wouldn't bet against that kind of upside, but I'm just not sure what his NFL role is going to be. Can he actually win as a pass rusher with the rush moves that he has um, in the NFL? I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, and I'm curious if we'll see it. I I have another uh, another quote. You kind of talked about we'll see how a guy fits. Because me and yeah. Maddie were talking about this guy a little bit today. Oh, no. Do we count Nick Herbig as an edge rusher or an off ball? Is he better Zach Bond what is what is Nick Herbig to you um I have watched him in a while because he is a junior but I I would probably consider him more of an off ball um I don't think he's a guy that's an edge rusher I'd want to be a starter I think he's NFL starter probably though right but not an edge guy good football player but like yeah just don't know what to classify him as right now yeah he's right so much time rushing the passer at Wisconsin he'll play some off ball in some situations it feels like you're gonna have to project him to play as an off ball. Like there's right. there's quality traits there as a pass rusher, but he's so small. It's like, like defensive weapon instead of offensive weapon. Is, I guess, is that? But like, how often? How often, how often does that work? Like what about I, him I, though? Like the benefit for him though is they they did drop I and mean, he played plenty in coverage. Like he played enough off ball linebacker that you have tape that you can fall back on and see him 
dropping. You can see him having to read out a run. It's not where they align the majority of the time, but like you know, you can just see how that's going to work a little bit. And then well, that's what's scary about Isaiah Simmons, though, too. Like the Isaiah, yeah. I mean, he worked and he's a freak athlete, but like for a while, I'm like, what is he? Like, yeah. if, if, if is he? I always say, is he a is he a both? Is he a tweener or is he a neither? And I was like, maybe Herbig is neither. And if he's neither, yeah. then he's kind of out of the league or a special teams guy only. But I don't think he's that. But my point is, like, it's just, you're you're making a good point, Ken. Where it's like, okay, what is he though? Like at the end of the day, you've got to play a position. We have 11 of these spots on defense. Which one of these are you going to play for us and start for us? And I think that's a good question for a couple of these guys, but him included. I think the difficulty in the projection for him is is he's a better pass rusher to me than he is an off-ball. Right. At college. He's not an NFL starter at edge rusher. Right. Not big enough. Yeah. yeah. He's a really good football player. He's a good football player you want, but like trying to figure out the best path to success for him within a defensive structure I think it's kind of tricky. I mean, like we were having yeah. this conversation today, watched him a little bit. It's just like I, I don't know what to do with him. Like we, we put him as an edge initially, but like we've been having the debate all day if we need to classify him as as an off ball for this. The off ball, like the uh, he has off ball tape, but it's not like it doesn't impress me as much as the edge. No, yeah, he's and he might be too small to even be just a rotational pass rusher too. Like that's the big problem is like he's not he might not even be big enough that you can just call him as a as some kind of third down specialist and. I think he's skilled enough, but if he checks in at 225 pounds with 32 inch arms, and he's just ballparking it. He like that's going to be hard to win very frequently as just a pure edge rusher in the NFL. So I, I don't know. I don't know where he fits. He's fun to watch, though. I mean, a lot of fun to watch. I just yeah. don't know where you're going to slot him in. All right, so Galco, we are very lucky to have you here because you know you had such great eyes on, on a lot of prospects, and you brought a lot of really talented. Rushers to the East West Shrine game. Oh, nice! It's Triangle time. Nice. Oh, I'm I'm hyped. <laughs> we made it. I'm hyped, man. I just want to spend. I just want to dig in for like ten minutes with you about all all the guys that you just had a chance to work with, right? Um, so, that first off, who do you think the first edge rusher taken is from from the East West Shrine Bowl group? Nice. Um, I. Uh... I'm going to give my answer. I'm going to give three I think have a good chance. Yeah. Um, one is Robert Beal of Georgia. Um, got banged up during the week of practice, so unfortunately couldn't finish the week. But obviously a Georgia pass rusher. He kind of got limited because of how a rotation for his whole college career had a pretty good program and then finally got emerged a little bit this year, still in rotation with how many young guys they had coming too. But kind of got lost a little bit there. I think he goes to a different school and – has a 15-sack season, and he's a guy that ends up with a slam dunk top 100 pick. But I think the way he's going to test in the combine, I think we'll see some top 100 buzz. Um, a guy that we liked a lot, obviously, but I didn't hear from Scout as much love until close to the event, Tyrus Wheat of Mississippi State. Mm. There are some teams that are obsessed with him and really think he's like plug-and-play, third-edge rusher tomorrow, which, again, third-edge rusher is not a bad thing. That's a basically a starter-level role right now for most NFL teams. But I think that... The player that'll be drafted first will be Haba Baldonado. Um, he had a outstanding tribal week of practice. You guys saw it. He was, I thought, really impressive. I got a chance to rewatch the film, and, and I had him graded out based off my whatever, who cares, my grading scale. I thought he was the best uh, edge rusher at the Shrine Bowl just consistently in the run game as a pass rusher, winning him different type of moves. He had a spin move one day. He had a bull rush, and that just did everything super, super well. Obviously, uh, if you talk to him, super smart kid, understands it, like professional, ready to go. And then I think, you know, as we dug into him as a prospect, saw, you know, by this time in about November, we saw a decrease in like the, the counting staff production. The tackles for loss and sacks seemed down from a year ago. 
But thankfully, with with both PFF as well as our own proprietary analytics, we kind of learned like, hey, he actually is being more productive as a true like impacting pressures and impacting the quarterback than he was in 2021. This is a guy that coming into the year, I think a lot of NFL personnel thought definitely a top 100 pick and a guy that could get much more because he had two and a half sacks. It looks worse, but he got hurt for two games. The pressure was much better to him. So I think to bring it kind of home, I think the Shrine Bowl got a chance, which is what's so good about these all-star games to kind of like reframe who these guys are and all these teams kind of relook at like, all right, let's give Baldonado his day before they get to the Shrine Bowl. And they kind of like, wait a minute, this guy actually didn't have a bad year. He's still a really good player we liked a year ago. And oh, by the way, he crushed it all week long in practice and interviewed Superman as well too. So I think Baldonado will be a top 100 pick and will be a guy like Rashad Weaver, Patrick Jones before him goes in the top 100 picks and plays a real role in the NFL early up. You are listening to KC Sports Network. You're home for the best coverage on your favorite local teams. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Find KCSN on your favorite podcast platform. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Yeah, I, I like Baldonado's tape. It was one of those things, I you know, looking at production before you get diving into it, you're like, okay, there was a little bit of a step back in the production this year. I wonder what the what the reasoning was, right? That's what you're wondering going into it. And then I'm watching, and even early in the year, I remember watching the uh, Tennessee game, and he's giving uh, Darnell Wright just as much issues as anybody else did, you know, all season coming off the edge. And that's been a guy that's picked up a lot of steam going into yep. the draft process. He's handled a lot of good edge rushers in the SEC, and Baldonado was giving them as much trouble as anybody else. You could clearly see some development in how he was taking on, you know, understanding blocking concepts, what teams were trying to do to him, how to approach these blocks throughout the year. So I was thoroughly impressed and I came away the same way. I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe he had, I think it was like seven less sacks this year, but I was like, I don't know. He's clearly playing better football now. It's just the production just wasn't quite there this year. Like I didn't have any concerns with that after going through and watching him. So it was nice to get down to Vegas and to see him go out there at the Shrine and look just as well as I thought he did on tape when, you know, we got to see some of those one-on-one reps or even the team stuff where, I mean, that's probably where he was even better, just destroying stuff over and over again when they tried to get through, let those offenses get through their game. I, I have, I pulled the stat here because I actually tweeted out to someone who asked about that. So I said on a per snap basis, he had a higher win rate than 2021. Um, he had the same amount of pressures and pressure rate, had more tackles and assists per snap, more tackles for loss per snap than 2021. So in a lot of ways, he actually played better than 2021. Where again, coming into the year, I think a lot of people, maybe you guys included, thought he was a guy that could be a top 100 pick. I think I saw one mock draft, had him as a first-round pick, which, again, I, I can always find a mock draft that says someone's a first-round pick any point in the season. Right. But but still, um, I think that the expectations there are pretty high. So again, all, all, all things considered, I think the way he'll test at the combine and the interviews, he's the guy who'll be the first Shrine Bowl edge rusher taken this year in the draft, I think. But who knows? Well, and somebody with like somebody like him too, it's always important to remember, you know, he coming for over to the US from Italy, he played, you know, a little bit of football before that, but he got one year of high school football in the United States before going off to college. So we talk about guys that have potential or haven't had maybe a chance to fully develop. 
this is exactly what you're talking about. As a guy just simply hasn't had as much time with the game, or at least, you know, even at the highest level that he would have been a lot of other players have had. 100%. All right, Galco, I got to know. I, yeah. I think BJ Thompson I like this. Getting, not getting invited to the combine is a snub. And yeah. I would love to know. Not a hot take. How big does he blow up the combine if <laughs> BJ Thompson gets to go to the, go out there? Because that so, dude is a freak athlete. Like, and I mean, he showed it. He showed it at Shrine Week too. I think. So you guys talked to him too, right? Like an yes. awesome, like down to earth, yes. funny, but like great kid. Yeah. Um, and I'll do a spin zone. Is that instead of owning the combine, he's going to own like the month of March in terms of pro day circuit mm-hmm. because what he's going to do at his pro day. Like, I've already heard the numbers, and I'll keep it a little bit secret, but, like, you guys can go to Mock Draftable or wherever you go for your combine stuff and go to Edge Rushers and look at the highest guy of the last 20 years, and he'll have, like, an inch or a tenth of a second faster at all of those. Like, it's going to be unbelievable. And I think what's most... So, it's again, it's done. He wasn't a combine invite. That's a whole tangent I won't go on about how the combine is structured. It's not good, but et cetera. But I think for BJ, like, what he's going to test that way, plus having that good of a week. But I think the other wrinkle is he was, like, 220-ish in college. And I remember talking to BJ during the fall season because I talked to the program, I talked to him, you know, and he was like, what I have to do to get better? I'm like, hey, man, you just can't be 220. And he worked his butt off for a month and a half between the end of the season and the Shrine Bowl to add weight. And he got to almost 240 already in like a month and a half. And he, he told me, he's like, hey, man, like I could add the weight. He's like, I just don't have the facilities, re- nutrition, all that stuff. But if I get with the program, like I can add the weight and like not lose my athleticism. And I think he definitely accomplished both those things too. So yeah, he will, he will be, we have a couple guys in the Shrine Bowl we did a year ago and then we take a lot of pride and make sure we find the best athletes in the country come at the Shrine Bowl. But BJ will be the Jelani Woods of this year's draft in terms of like, he will break RAS, whatever, whatever form you use, like he will be the number one player in history. He's that special. Yeah, and, and it was mind-boggling me to see him not get an invite, not only because, I mean, when you watch him, I think it's very clear he's a super athletic player just by watching him on yep. the field, whether you find, you know, when you get back and watch the tape at Stephen F. Austin or not, or even going back to Baylor, I don't know how much he played back there, but we heard a fun story, I don't want to spoil it, we talked to him about it when we were down there in Las Vegas, so he talked about it too, but we heard that he had play or went up against the Baylor basketball team in a dunk contest, and he had beat them, and we talked to him about that and just got, you know, his story about it, but just Stuff like that, and then seeing him play, and I don't know how you know he not end up not to throw line. Tucker under the bus, but Tucker oh. thought it was Connor Galvin <laughs> that held no, 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 that that won the dunk contest. It was not Connor Galvin. We asked no, that, was Galvin. Fun, that was a fun conversation to have with We're Connor like, Galvin. Someone told us that he, I was like, he's like, no, no way. It was like. <laughs> I he didn't think so, but that's okay. Could you imagine though? Could you imagine if Connor Galvin beat oh. BJ Thompson at a dunk contest? That would be an that would be an change our trade our draft board, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. But no, I I think it's ridiculous that he didn't get invited. And I mean there's yeah. clearly some talent there too. That athleticism carries over into the football field. I think he probably had my favorite pass rush that I had saw there was just a you know a spin move and one of the one on ones, which they're all slanted towards the defensive ends, but the spin move that he was able to put on there and I've seen him do it in a game as well. I think it's in my notes. Like, okay, this spin move is probably his best overall move. And it's just, you can see the athleticism pop. So I am excited to see what the pro day numbers come out of from EJ Thompson. Yeah. And, and uh, he's not an infallible. I mean, it's not a first round pick we're talking about here, yeah. but, and I think he's got a, he gets too high sometimes as a pass rusher. That kind of limits his kind of, I think his projection of the NFL a little bit. We saw a couple snaps in practice. At least I saw him where, Hey, a tackle who knows what he's doing right, can kind of get his hand in there quickly, stop a spin, stop a high pass rush move too. But again, we we know he can bend. 
right? It's more about just getting better as a prospect. And he's a guy where I think he'll be, I, I would be surprised if he's not the first non-combinated by draft. Though. The way he's going to test, I think by the time you get to like, like I, especially with how the draft, when the draft changed like what, six, seven years ago, like you do the first round, then the second, third round, and then you sit on it until the next morning on Saturday. And he's one of those guys who's just like screaming at every TV and like, all right, like there's no real like great players left. Let's be honest. But like this guy's a freak and he might be the guy too. So he's a guy like a team like the Rams will just draft in the fourth round as it being like a starter like three years from now. So he's just, he's screaming at a guy that teams are going to want to take in the fourth round regardless of coming in might or not. Well, and you said it earlier, Eric, you know, athletic, athletic testing is so crucial for the pass rusher yeah. position and density adjusted kind of athletic testing kind of has pr- proven to be pretty crucial too. So, you know, it's not just being a great athlete. If you can be a little bit more dense, I mean, and be that kind of, you know, explosive athlete, like that's a, that's a formula for success. Uh, yep. And so if he's able to continue to put on a little bit of weight, if he's playing 240, I think that's going to help his case a lot better if he's able to test the way, you know, you're kind of anticipating where the, where the buzz is, you know, at 240 relative to, you know, a lighter guy. Like like that can even help as well. So I'm 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 really excited to see him. I'll tell you I'll tell you the guy that um, that it seems to have I mean, I'm looking at our highest graded uh edge rusher from uh from from the East Rush Shrine Bowl. Uh and we gave him a pretty pretty solid grade. We, we he's got a day two grade. It's Maddie's grade. I'll let I'll let you talk about it. Oh, no. Caleb Murphy out of Ferris State's the guy. Nice. He stood out yeah. uh, to to Maddie. So Maddie, I'll let you I'll, I'll let you talk about him here in a second. But I want to hear what Galco had to say about his week first. Uh, so before when we invited him, I asked a uh, couple Midwest scouts to rank the edge rushers from Michigan in college. Right, so that's Michigan, Michigan State, um, Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, all that stuff as well too. And it was, I think it was Mike Morris one from Michigan, and then it was Kayla Murphy two, Jacoby Wayman back to school three, uh, Jose Ramirez four, and oh, here's a too. What's that? Talk about Jose in a second too. Yeah, I figure, and then and then Thomas Incum five. I think I missed somebody else too. But but case in point is that like even during his breakout, when you know he's the next, he's the Terrell Suggs of of D two now because of this record he broke as well too. Um, pretty special production, and I think you saw it that he's not limited size and length, and we saw it at the Shrine Bowl about winning in so many different ways. And I think he's developed such a craftiness to his game, along with being a good athlete, along with being a productive player. Like he just. He just has a good feel for like, hey, this move didn't work. I know where to go here. Like BJ showed some of that in, at the Tribal too, which I appreciate because he's still learning and developing. But like Caleb was like, hey, even when he loses a rep on like one-on-ones and like not even the team drill, like you could tell like, all right, but he's not totally like out of the play as a run defender either. And I think that natural instinct that even when you lose, you're not losing too badly is what comes when you're a guy that has to just like constantly produce, but also yeah, fair state really good team. He didn't have many NFL players around him, right? So even if you lost a pass rush, he can't just be like pass rushing for no reason because that B gap's going to be open all the time. So I think he has such good instincts when he loses. And again, at college, he didn't lose too much. With the Shrine Bowl, he didn't lose much either too. So I think day two is optimistic, but not crazy in terms of where NFL teams see a guy like him in the NFL. Yeah, and that's so that's the hard part when you come up to somebody that's at Ferris State trying to find enough film to watch on them to just really get what they are going to be. And so, yeah, you're mostly going to see, you know, more highlight videos maybe you find some you know stands recorded video footage of them and stuff like that laying around and so i really like what i saw and there's just it was a, a ball of chaos playing at bear state it's sort of kind of what it was but then we got to talk to him we got to see him at the shrine like okay 
it's not chaotic at all. There's very yep. much a rhyme or reason for everything he's doing. And he talked about, okay, he doesn't necessarily have a favorite pass rush move besides what's working. And then he talks about how he's figuring out what's working, his process to find what's going to work on this play versus that tackle. And just the whole picture for him, it does seem like he understands it. He understands how to rush the passer. He understands the game of football, and then he's not limited athletically. I, I'm intrigued to see how well he tests because sometimes I think he looks great, but you're like, okay, what's the level of competition here? So just are we looking at a really good athlete? Are we looking at an okay NFL-level athlete? That's what I'm most intrigued to figure out now because I really, like you said, I think he gets it. I think he knows how to set up his plan. He's very conscious of what's happening around him on the football field, and I think that matters a lot when you're looking at guys outside of you know the top 50 getting into the, into the top 100 do they understand the game yep. and what's going on around them? All right. You know, he had, he had, I will say for Caleb, too, he had asked to watch film on the tackles he's going against. He's one of the first guys to ask that question to me. A lot of guys end up doing it, but he was one of the first guys like, all right, what can I do? Where can I improve, Eric? How can I get better? This is back in when we invited him in late October, early November. He was like, what can I get better? What should I focus on? So he is a fun kid, great personality, like an offer to hang out with at the same time. Like he is laser focused on like, hey, all he wants in life is the NFL pass rusher. So um, he's a guy that, again, I, whether he goes second round or fifth round, he's not going to go past the fifth. But wherever he goes, he's going to be a guy I want to bet on because he's not going to make you look bad. And at the very most, he's going to be a guy that can be an impact starter for you. We had a, we had a great interview with him, uh, but we had uh, one of my favorite interviews was Jose Ramirez, the edge out yeah. of Eastern Michigan, like getting to hear his story a little bit, the adversity that he's been through to get to where he is. He's a good football player. And you know, we always have our eyes on, you know, some of these little, little more, little denser defensive ends, more powerful defensive ends. And I think Jose Ramirez is one of those guys that fits that mold too. Uh, so I I think Chiefs fans, you know, because of what we've typically seen uh, out of, you know, out of what C-Stack Spagnuolo prefers, Jose Ramirez seems like a guy that could fit the C Spagnuolo defensive end thresholds. And he, he's, he, I think he, I think he, his tape's fun. And I think he had a good week as well. He, uh, he was a guy that didn't produce a whole lot the first like three, four weeks of the year in terms of like true sack numbers. And I remember talking to scouts being like, hey guys, grow up, watch the film, don't check stats. And then of course he had like a five sack game like two weeks later and made it all look look great again too. But he is a dynamic edge speed player that I think is still developing. And I think what's, but it's, it's close to being a true counter step back inside. I think Caleb kind of has that now, but I think Jose is going to get there pretty soon. But he's a guy that can win on the edge right away as like a wide nine guy and kind of play the perimeter and work that way but I think he's he's still on like one more step away from being a really complete speed edge rush on the outside as well and again I'm not sure Jose is a guy that early on his NFL career is going to be on the teams want to start but again as, as I keep saying over and over again talking with teams every team says we need three edge rushers we need three we can't have one we can't have two we're not going to produce that way because we want to shuffle these guys in keep them fresh etc with how many, you know, with, with six-man protection, seven-man protection, these these edge rushers are getting beat up more and more. Teams know that, prevent these guys from getting in a flow. So you got to have three. I think he's a guy that, like, hey, if you've got two bigger guys who are going all day long, and you have Jose kind of as a change-up, like a change of pace back, but as an edge rusher, like, it's really hard for Alpha Tackle to stop those kind of guys. And what impressed me the most about him was when I, I got a cut-up of all of his sacks. And essentially, I got to about seven or eight deep before I saw him repeat the same pass rush move to right. record a sack. And like, I'm like, okay, he's got this deep arsenal stuff in there. Now, I think to your point, like, yeah, he's still trying to learn how to set them all up properly, when to use the right one. But the fact that you know that he has them all in there and I've seen him successfully do them, some, you know, sometimes not against the strongest competition, but it's not like they played absolutely nobody if you're coming from Eastern Michigan either. So you see him go up against 
quality players on the other end and still have this success. So that was what initially, you know, kind of drew me to him as the, the arsenal that he had. And then you see him go out there at the shrine that continues. It's, it's the speed. It's he, I, he's a little bit shorter, I think coming in a hair under six, two. So he's already got some natural leverage, but then seeing how well he plays with leverage. And when he does want to drop his shoulder, they kind of duck under blockers. He's really good at it and maintaining his pace. So there's a lot of tools there. I agree. You know, he needs a little bit of time to get some seasoning on there, figure out how he wants to go about executing all these moves. I just love seeing a guy already have them kind of at the ready once he gets to the next level. He, he was someone who was quick to start uh, ball busting with me, which I greatly appreciate. He is like fit in right away with me and me and him hung out quite a bit too. And he had his whole coach stuff down there as well too. But he is the kind of guy that I think fits any kind of locker room as well too, which again, we that sounds small, but speed rusher, third edge rusher, a guy that teams are going to love. Um, yeah, he's he's NFL player for, I always say he's going to be NFL player for at least three years, probably much more, but like there's no way a team's not going to want that guy in their unit or locker room for a long time. Calgo, before we get out, is there any edge rusher you think we should have been talking about here that we that we haven't got? All of them, Ken. I know. No, they're all my favorite. You're I killing know. me. I know. Um, I'll, can I give a couple of highlights on some guys we didn't talk about? Absolutely. Um, sure. Andre Jones, I think, could have definitely been in that top three I mentioned earlier as far as guys to draft. I think teams are kind of catch up a little about him. He had a great tribal week of practice, had a great game as well. I think he had a sack in the game and a couple of near sacks in the game too, but um, really dynamic, awesome edge rusher. Uh, Brendan Cox, surprised you didn't mention. You know, I know he got uh, removed from the Florida team, and he's addressed that a little bit. I think teams are going to have lingering questions, understandably so, but I, I thought he may have been, outside of Baldonado, the most productive edge rusher at the Shrine Bowl when I rewatched the film. And talent-wise, this dude's a first, second-round pick based on his highlights at Florida, and I think he, if he falls to the fourth, fifth round, it's going to be a steal for somebody. It will be a steal for somebody. He'll be this year's Jack Jones from the Shrine Bowl where, like, we're going to look back in a year and be like, why, when that guy fell in the fourth round because like we were just scared of like one issue at Florida. That's dumb. So I think he's a guy to watch out for. Another guy who will test super well, Titus Leo. He was the fastest edge rusher at the Shrine Bowl per Zebra. Um, he'll test super well. He's on the Freaks list with uh, with Bruce Feldman. Truman Jones of Harvard, one of my favorite guys in the draft. I think he's a guy that's still figuring out kind of how to be a complete edge rusher because he did a lot of stuff at Harvard. But great kid, smart kid, crushed the Wonderlick. He had a score that I can't disclose, but was like super high, no surprise. Being from Harvard, Ochon Mathis, a guy two years ago people thought was going to be a first, second round pick. Didn't put it all together, but really good as a run defender during Tri Bowl week. I think he'll be a, a guy that'll be on the NFL roster that he'll grow from there. Brevin Allen of Campbell will test really well. And then finally, we call him an edge rusher, played a lot of linebacker, Yasir Abdullah. Um, really dynamic, athletic, high character kid, well built. He'll be an NFL player for a long time too. Yeah, it was a great group. It was a great, a great group to watch. We really enjoyed watching them, and I, I think you put you put a you put an outstanding group of edge rushers together. Nice. Uh, and we can't wait to see where they all get drafted. Ed wouldn't be stunned if if one of those guys is a Kansas City Chief when it's all all said and done. That has been the KCSN Draft Show. Thanks to Eric Galco and Maddie Lane. We will be back next week. We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.